Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable. And I'm Bill Price. And today we'll just jump right into it because we've got a big show. Uh, we've got an interview going on. We've got some great recommendations, some cool games to play. So what have we been playing recently? You want to jump on, or kick it off, Bill? Um, I sure will. Uh, so uh, one thing that I've played recently is a game called Reef, which probably most people know about because it's a very popular game. Um, it is basically uh, the follow-up, though unrelated, um, kind of a follow-up to Azul. Uh, same company, uh, sort of their next thing they put out. It's uh, pretty cool. It's got these big, chunky, like fun-looking, <laughs> almost like a kid's. It looks like uh, like a kid's like Tonka toys or something. Yeah. Um, but it is. Uh, Packs a surprising strategic punch. Um, it's uh, it's basically you draw, uh, you're drawing cards, and you are trying to also uh, play these cards to add these reef pieces to the board, to your board. You have individual player boards, and you're trying to also make uh, patterns with uh, to score with those cards and get points so there is a lot of um chaining cards together there's a lot of kind of a lot of foresight as far as okay i need this 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 will allow me to score this when i play this and then it sets me up to score this next card when i do this so it can be really really brain burning if you let it be brain burning um but it doesn't have to be. It can also play as kind of a lighter, quicker game. Uh, really depends on the audience that you're playing with. Uh, I kind of think of it sort of like chess. I mean, if you've got two people who just learned how to play chess and they sit down, they're awful at it, but they're going to have fun. <laughs> yeah. um, but at the same time, you could have two grandmasters sit down and just like five people in the world even understand what their thought process is. Uh, this game could be the same way if you let it. A um, couple of people I've played it with uh, surprisingly have not really enjoyed it. My wife didn't really enjoy it. Oh, really? That surprises um, me. And Larry didn't really like it. Uh, huh. I'm having trouble getting it to the table. I really like it. Uh, I played it with my son Joey, um, who's 15, uh, a few times. He seems to really enjoy it. I really enjoy uh, it as well. It's a cool two-player game. Um, the three-player game I thought we, we played went went pretty well. Um, but yeah, it just hasn't grabbed anybody like I really thought it would. So I don't I don't know how much hmm. I'm gonna really get it. I recommend it. Um, but I if it's something you have a chance to play with somebody else before you go buy it. Um, that I might kind of recommend <laughs> that. It is really pretty. It's uh, the production value is amazing. It's uh, I, I really like it. Yeah, I've only played. I played this once, and I I also really enjoyed it. Um, that surprises me that Kristen didn't like it. That because it's 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 kind of got that engine buildy. It's satisfying. I love the fact that your little reef just sort of grows and develops, and the way you score is like you're looking top down at the reef. So your reef changes its layout and you're scoring based on that layout and so you can do some you can string together some cool 
actions oh, yeah. in a fun way and so it's and it's just you get to play with these big knobby reef pieces which are really yeah. colorful and fun and and look um uh, look really cool so i liked it as well i'm surprised it's it's uh it went over so or fell so flat yeah it has definitely fallen flat but uh i that's my favorite thing about it is comboing cards together yeah when you can kind of be drawing cards and getting just that right combination in your hand and you just start really slamming them down yeah. and you're like just going for massive points and uh yeah it's really cool when, when you can get that it's a cool feeling but um yeah it just didn't didn't hit the spot for huh. anybody but me <laughs> <Man>. so <laughs> <laughs> oh bummer well i'd play reef again i enjoyed it the one time i play it um all right what i have been playing i played uh well bill and i actually played this game uh, a couple times and um i am currently holding bill's copy hostage because i want to play it again with my wife and this is a game called atelier it's atelier 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 the atelier, painter's yeah. studio it, right uh yeah and so this is a game where you are a uh, basically running a studio a painting studio in like renaissance times era ish kind of it spans master paintings all over the uh the time periods though so it's not exactly specific to a time period but what you're doing is you are um doing that you're running a studio you're painting paintings painting masterpieces and lesser paintings i guess i like how they designate some of these not masterpieces even though they're all masterpiece paintings it's like fine this is just like a painting <laughs> it's just whatever anyone could do this garbage my kid could do this renaissance era painting of <laughs> osiris or whatever um but it seems it's a it's a game that feet on the surface if you're into classical art would probably be really attractive to you but if you're not it probably seems like sort of a gimmicky thing they'd sell in like a museum gift shop is that what yeah, you're talking about that's a, very like much. a most appropriate reference but um but it's a game where you take home and you'd be like oh man this is really good actually uh so it's it's not the heaviest game in the world but it's a very um cohesive uh structure of mechanisms where they interplay and it's got a couple uh, things that cause your that surprised us where the one of the main ones was it's got this interesting territory control aspect of uh, the resources so your part of it is you send your um your uh, what do you students. call it students there we go students out to collect paint or basically make paint or i'm not sure the rationale I think but they're going to the market to oh, buy that's what it is. to buy paint uh but they have to be like the most of them at a certain yeah. market in order to get it so it's like they buy it by overpowering everyone else i don't, I don't <laughs> really it's like know a stock market thing where they're the just the loudest voices yeah. get the paint but yeah so you have all these students and the students are like bill saying there's a um kind of a territory control area in the market where per each color and i think there's five of them is there five colors? four colors four colors um and so for each color you are trying to kind of um red green blue yeah. yellow yeah, that's it. Red, green, blue, yellow. Oh, it feels like there's more. Um, but yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, <clears throat> so anyway, there's this territory control thing and that, that is uh, dynamic throughout the entire game. So it's going to fluctuate and you have to choose to, you can forego that and get paint in other ways, although it's a little less difficult. Um, because if you have a certain amount of uh, students in the market and they have the majorities at each co certain colors you can just get all those colors at once based on the die roll uh, this game is rolling dice and then doing actions based on the dice and so it uh, has that satisfaction of, of being able to play with dice and then placing dice to do things 
Um, and then you are earning uh, or getting colors to be able to have the right colors to paint these paintings. And the paintings have actions that they allow you to do or abilities that allow you to do to make your sort of engine, this game's version of an engine, stronger or more directed. You also have specific goals that you can uh, get at the beginning of the game. And then you can also get more throughout the game to double on points or find other strategy options. So it's just a real satisfying lighter game but more more strategy than you'd expect i think and it's it's odd that it comes across so light because it, it is a fairly light game but i've never seen a light game uh or at least a game on the lighter side combine so many different mechanisms yeah this is purely an engine builder it's a a territory control yeah it uh it's set collection with the paintings and the um the patrons right uh it's the dice uh dice placement uh so i mean there's like there's all these sort of different uh completely different uh mechanisms that are all kind of seems like on paper you're like they're just jamming way too much stuff in there but it plays so smoothly right that so you don't, smooth. Yeah, you don't notice that it's just this gigantic hodgepodge of every mechanism you could think of. Uh, I can't think of very many games, even complex ones, that have this many different mechanisms tossed in. But it works so well, and it never comes across as heavy. This is something you could play with somebody who's a light gamer or somebody who's fairly new to modern board games. This could be, um, This could be a gateway game. Yeah, this is a game too, especially for gamers that aren't interested in a lot of the typical themes. Like, this is a really good access point for. Like, I was immediately thinking of like my parents. I don't think it has to be for an older crowd, but they would probably be more intrigued in this than uh, anything with orcs or else. Right, right. Yeah, um, or, orcs are a big turnoff to certain generations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> too much pillaging, too much Cthulhu, and they're just they shut their brain shut off. But yeah, it's it is. That's a good way of putting. It. It's so cohesive. It surprisingly cohesive. Uh, for a game and it always feels like you have a strategy option if you're stymied in the market well you have a way to get paints in other direction other ways and you can um, kind of look towards the what powers and abilities the paintings themselves get you and there's a lot of cheap ones to grab mm -hmm. to just quickly give yourself another boost in in one way or the other so it definitely feels like on your turn there's a, so many choices but it's not overwhelming and they're very yeah. straightforward yeah no I, I absolutely agree and it's uh, Atelier the painter studio it's by AEG and uh, and yeah, it's a big, big two thumbs up from me. Me um, too. Because yeah, I I enjoyed it a lot. I've played it. Um, in addition to a couple times with Kaz, I've played it with um, a couple other people, and I've played it with my son Joey three or four times. I've never won it, uh, but I'm still happy to play it. There's so few games where I'm like, if I just get demolished constantly, that I ever <laughs> want to go back to. Uh, but this one for sure. Yeah. Nice. All right. So what else you got? Um, okay. So a couple nights ago, Wednesday night, as a matter of fact, um, well, we don't really know when this is being recorded, but <laughs> uh, so, so say just sometime between last podcast and this podcast um, episode, uh, I played a four-player game of a game called My Happy Farm, mm -hmm. which looks like a terrible kids game that you would get from target i like the art but it is super duper cartoony over yeah, the top cartoony yeah. it's uh it's basically about um elongating your animals uh so they have these two cards that go together it's like a front and an ass 
and then you buy cards to fill in the stomach and it just gets like longer and longer. It sounds ridiculous. Um, but there's, there's so much more to it. And I think a, a alternate name for this should be, um, my first Euro game because it's, we played it with Ellie who has, we've had on here before. Um, who's really good at games, is experienced with games, understands how this works. And she struggled a little bit, um, really kind of trying to come up with a long-term strategy and kind of figuring out what uh, what to do between all of her options. So it is not at heart a kid's game. Sure. It looks like a kid's game, but I think maybe 10 years old is probably the earliest I would think about really trying to get somebody to get into this game sure so um and some people may consider 10 years old you know to be a kid's game but um considering the art uh it it doesn't it looks like it should be for five-year-olds and a five-year-old would have no idea what to do here um but there's basically what what makes it so complicated is you have on your turn you have nine different things you can can do but you can only do two of them on your turn. You have to do two. So there's a combination of like planting things and then you then harvesting things and then using those things to buy animal stomachs, uh, which is technically called feeding your animals. So we're uh, you're not really buying stomachs. You're feeding them enough that they get longer, apparently, in this alternate universe. Our so, world. Yes. So, um, but then there's also selling the crops for for money in order to buy more crops that you can plant and then harvest and then buy. So there's, and you have to think ahead because you can end up with, you know, if you don't plan appropriately, you can end up with nothing planted, nothing in your barn. And so you kind of have to almost start from scratch, but you can't constantly plant and harvest, plant and harvest because then you're not buying animal stomachs. You're not buying new crops in order to replenish your hand. You're not you know, doing all these other things so that you really have to, uh, it's a real fine line of planning long-term and uh, it, just like a Euro game. And it is surprisingly cool and very challenging even for adults. I really liked this game. So did my wife. So did Larry. Ellie enjoyed it. Uh, we will definitely be playing it again. So uh, I'd been kind of putting it off. I've had it for a while. I got it for like I don't know, six bucks or something at cool stuff uh, to sort of right, add yeah. to the must <laughs> have a hundred dollars to free shipping. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I really never took it seriously, but it is a surprisingly, uh, surprisingly thick game. <laughs> That's interesting. I was just looking on board game geek and it's only the complexity rating is 1.66, which is lower than reef and space base. So is it just like, is it just the engine? Like, what do you think makes it feel the, the so rules complex. themselves, the complex, the game isn't complex. Right. I mean, it comes with a little player card that tells you the nine things you can do. Right. So the the game itself, I can explain it to a five year old. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think a five year old would have any concept of what. It's like the future to planning kind of. Yeah. Is the difficult. It, it, there's there's just so much uh, long term abstract planning. Right. That is involved in those choices. Uh, a five-year-old can sit there and, oh, I want to plant this. Oh, I'm going to harvest yeah. this and understand those things, but they will lose this game every single time. Right. So I think there's a difference between it being complex and having really deep choices. 
And I don't think that a, a most children would be able to compete long-term planning-wise, uh, strategy-wise, right. uh, with uh, an adult. There's, there's no tactics here. Okay. Uh, it's it's right. very non-tactical. It is long-term strategic, which is where I think uh, most kids tend to, to struggle. Yeah. Kids tend to be better at tactical games because you're responding to things that are happening right now. Right. Uh, but this, yeah, it's not complex. The, the rule set isn't complex. It's maybe a four or five page rule book, but it's, uh, there's so many examples that there's like, you know, 50 words or less on every page. So it's, it's a great rule book. Uh, and it is simple. It's a simple game. But yeah, it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's strategizing. Deep. It's okay. deep. No, cool. Um, all right. My, uh, love. The one I'm going to talk about, I guess, because I, I really want to talk about it, is not a play that I did completely. I did a solo run-through of a partial game of this, but I am amping up to play one this weekend, and I've been really itching to get this to the table, so I'm going to talk about my thoughts so far on it, and that's Spirit Island. I borrowed a version from a friend and have been messing around with this week, and I, I just got a quick little run-through of a few rounds of it just to get a taste of it, and so this is more of an anticipatory discussion than <laughs> my complete impressions but i've been thinking a lot about it and i just i'm super excited to play this game fully uh spirit island if you don't know is a cooperative game it is very dense and it is where you are spirits and basically there's an island where human invaders think like conquistadors or something are coming and they are trying to pop up towns are popping up and they're exploring and they're ravaging the land and to them they're just you know doing what humans do they're creating places for humans to hang out. But to you, you're horrified over what they're doing to your beautiful island and to your native peoples uh, as the spirit who protects this island. And your job is to scare them away or fight them off uh, so they leave. And I love that premise. Immediately when I heard about it, I was like, oh, I want to check out this game. <laughs> and then when I heard that it was co-op, I was more excited. And then when I heard it was very dense, I was even more excited. Um, I am really excited to play this game. I'm not, right now, I'm not clear on if I would pick this up as is it's probably something i would wait for a sale mainly because i think it's going to be hard to get to the table uh, it's one of those games where it's like i love this game deeply but it's hard to impart that love to other people or have other people um you, you, we were just talking about this and it's like you got to be like mentally ready for this game it's kind of like sulkin right. level of if you're ready for a thinker and to me actually based on our conversation uh, last episode about games that have sort of dimmed a little bit I mentioned Sulkin, and one of the reasons I mentioned Sulkin is that, like, I think for me this will, might replace Sulkin potentially. And one of the reasons why is Sulkin is kind of when you break it down, uh, the big core of it is deferred actions. So you're it's all planning for the future, and and timing that out correctly. And I for whatever reason the way Sulkin structured, I constantly get hung up on that because you're either putting pieces on or you're taking off so it's a, it's a binary system of that or on or off and then those pieces that are on you've got to time it correctly <clears throat> to pull things off at multiple things off at once ideally to make them as efficient as possible spirit island has an interesting timing system as well but it is happens all on one turn sulkin you can have a turn where you don't do anything except just put guys on and that's fine. That's part. That's how the game is structured, and that should be how it is for that game. But Spirit Island has this really cool structure of 
um, three stage turns. So the way actions are, are there's two types. There's fast and slow. The fast actions are like any other action. You play the card and it does what it does and you're done. Um, but the way the turn structure goes is you play the spirits do their turn. They do the play all their action cards, fast and slow. The fast ones fire. Then the invaders do their stuff. They ravage, they build, they do everything they're going to do. And then at the end of the round, the spirits slow actions fire off. So you have this, it feels Sulkin-ish in that you really mm. do have to plan for a whole turn and a lot is going to happen, or a whole round, and a lot is going to happen in the round, but it all happens in a round. And so you can make mistakes, absolutely, or forget and not plan correctly for what the invaders are going to do, but that that time period between playing an action and then waiting and waiting and waiting and having it fire is so much shorter, it feels so much more satisfying, and at least mm-hmm. more... I don't know. It just feels more like it functions better so far in my limited experience with it. So I'm excited to get the full game played and see how much I do like it in a full experience. But I'm really excited about this game, and I can't wait to talk more about it. Yeah, I've um, the kind of. I think one of the only reasons I've been sort of avoiding picking it up. Um, it showed up on a couple of online lists of like least favorite games to teach. Yeah, because of its kind of its complexity and sort of the way everything sort of intertwines with each other, and so yeah, my biggest concern was uh, how how am I ever going to get this to the table? I'm bad at teaching games anyway, so part of me now buys games that I feel like I have a chance of getting across (laughs) to people of teaching fairly well. So that that was kind of a an instant turnoff for me. But I would I'm happy to learn it. If you already know how to play, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of the only reason I've been. Uh, but it sounds amazing, and everything that I've heard from everybody who's played it, it's. It, I haven't heard it going flat for anybody. It's funny. I you can tell that a game is that there's that issue with the game, uh, good or bad, with the complex game. When you see videos pop up just on how to teach this game to new people, <laughs> like there's specific genre of videos about getting this game across to people. I will say one of the amazing things they did with this, their rule book is impressive. It is really well done. It's very clear. It is, um, I was, I've been paging through and, and trying to refer to rules and just like, where would this be? And everywhere I thought it would be, that is exactly where the rule definition would be or the clarifier. That's and I was handy. like, good for you guys. You finally <laughs> did something. Because conversely, Tolk Sulkin's rule book is horrible. It's bad. It's notoriously bad. Real and bad. Uh, you've got to house rule some stuff. Um, and then sometimes you find the rule later tucked away somewhere in the end credits or some weird place. And you're yeah. like, what? Oh, okay, fine. I guess we're playing wrong. Copyright 2014. <laughs> yes, you can place guys on that spot. What? What? Why? <laughs> Everyone gets corn whenever they want. What? <laughs> it's not a thing. That should be over in this other section, or at least in a section. Yeah, yeah that's my biggest hang-up, though. I Kind of what you're saying is I, I don't know. I really want to buy this game. But I feel like I'm gonna. It's be difficult to get to the table, and I feel like unless you are a really hardcore, high density gamer like that, and you know you're gonna get to the table, this is this is gonna be a game that's gonna be every once in a while, and it's got to be the right people who are want to get into a brain burner experience. Because yeah. even though it's co-op, there's a lot of decisions to make, and like it took me doing my solo play like a few minutes. I knew what I how to do it, but I was like kind of stuck like what should i do here because you are conversely 
also really weak as a spirit. Like any engine builder, you're getting stronger and stronger and stronger, but you feel really weak at the beginning and like mm-hmm. it's hopeless. Like the invaders just, the invaders have a timed um, automaton system that kind of just does what they do and it just feels overwhelming. And so you feel like, like you've got to do the right thing at the first turn. But if you let that go, of course, and just like do stuff and see how it plays, it'll be fine. But man, that pressure is high. And so it feels, it feels intense right away and you feel weak right away. But uh. Yeah, I uh, if I were doing like a monthly Spirit Island game group, yeah. I would totally go out and buy this game. Totally, but, but I'm I'm with you. I'm not sure I'd be able to get it to the table. I think it's nice. I'm gonna try to <laughs> try to uh, lean on Kevin and borrow this game <laughs> a few times, and then uh, I'm gonna keep my eye on it for sales. Um, but uh, but uh, anyway, yeah. So that's my preview of a future play of Spirit Island. Okay, so uh, uh, we're. That'll be do it for games played. We'll uh, have some more for you guys next week. But right now, we're going to jump into an interview with a designer that we uh, finally were able to schedule a time for. We're really happy to have him on. So um, we'll jump right into that, and then we will catch you live back at the end of the interview. So uh, today we have a guest with us, uh, a designer, and we're very excited to talk to him. He is uh, joining us early in the morning so we can all get together and uh, talk over coffee or tea, what have you. Um, Bill, I just realized I left high and dry with nothing to drink. That's okay. But uh, we'll just jump into it anyway. And uh, welcome, uh, Len Kendall. Len, welcome. I know, and I could easily get him one, but I'm not doing it. I had a big Diet Coke, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a quick high-speed interview. We did not speed up the audio. Uh, welcome. We're really glad to talk to you. Um, I guess uh, the best thing, if, if you would, if just kind of give us a quick, uh, I'll, I'll do a quick one, I guess. You, you have a Kickstarter campaign that you, at the time of this release, will have just finished, but I uh, would assume that you've got some late pledge options available. Um, to go check out. Uh, the game you're uh, kickstarting is called Western Tropic, and if you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself and, and the game. That's great. Yeah, I was just looking. I, mean, I have it up right now, and I've been watching it uh, just this morning, <laughs> tick as it approaches the last day. So that's 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 really awesome. I mean, you're gonna it looks like you're on the verge of doubling your goal, which is exciting. Yeah, I, I actually I backed first day myself because um, I've been I'm on the tabletop uh, designer subreddit, and so I've kind of been seeing the pictures and sort of coming soon, and when the website went live and all that uh, that you've had been putting out for uh for a while now so that when it finally went live 
uh, I jumped on it first day. I think it looks really, really cool. Yeah, and you can tell you can tell you definitely invested in, in the art. The it art is a beautiful looking game is is great, and uh, it, it you're absolutely right these days. And we've talked about this before here on the show that uh, Kickstarter is for some reason really happy to help people who don't always need the most help. Um, so it it tends to reward people that are, projects that are already doing really well and projects that are super fleshed out, which is very different than what it used to be. I remember way, way back uh, when people were first starting to use Kickstarter on games. It was very much, uh, hey, this is my idea. I have some stick figure drawings. Can somebody help me raise, you know, $200 so that I can get, you know, a couple copies printed up at the Game Crafter or something. But um, it's it's definitely evolved, and so you really, I know you really have to put in uh, a lot of effort uh, these days. So, uh, great job. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, but but as far as uh, as far as that goes, I know. Uh, and one thing I actually really wanted to talk to you in particular about uh, that you do differently than a lot of these companies that are kind of purposely, I feel like, going for the five hundred percent, thousand percent over goal uh, with stretch goals. And I know that you. Uh, have said in a few updates that you are not really a believer in stretch goals. You're a believer in kind of putting out the best game uh, that you can put out without any of that. And there are a couple other uh, big creators out there. Like I know uh, I think Daniel Zayas is another one who doesn't do uh, stretch goals. Can you kind of go over your philosophy as far as the stretch goals?
Mm. No, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I like the idea of the surprise. Hey, I'm, I'm giving you the best game that I can, but you know what? Uh, I'm going to do even more without making it seem like yeah, hey, if you give me more money, then I can give you more of the actual game. Uh, so I think it comes across way more genuine the way that you're doing it, where it's not dependent on, hey, you have to tell your friends and get me more money in order to do this. I'm just going to you know, upgrade some things and, and really kind of show my support for the community there rather than making demands. So I'm, I'm with you 100%. I absolutely do not love stretch goals myself. Very cool. So I just want to touch back on the artwork and the look of this game because really I meant it when I said it before. This game is beautiful. I love the artwork and design um, and the pictures that are available so far on the campaign. It it ties together so well and is really, really well designed. Um, so I, you can definitely see the care and work that's gone into uh, just the straightforward presentation this game does. So it's quite impressive. <clears throat> Sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's a good point. I, I do like that, though, because it feels like, I mean, the way the board is laid or the cards are laid out when you're playing, the characters, <clears throat> it's very distinct. It's nice to have the distinct art style to separate them. Um, and the fact that, I mean, the cards you're playing with are an actual full deck of cards, right? And so you could, it, it does feel like uh, it's separate from the world you're in. The world you're in wouldn't, you know, your you, playing cards aren't just pictures of <laughs> of real things in the world around them. So it does feel applicable to the game. So it, it clicks really well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's really cool. That's awesome. I Bill Bill is a big poker fan, and um, and he uh, was the one that brought this to my attention. And so as we were talking about it, I was getting super interested just the fact that I am not a huge poker fan and it's not that I de- like poker is a game I definitely respect poker as a game but for some reason I'm just not into poker but I've always had fun when I have played it and so I was really excited to see your take on it so what what brought you to the idea of trying to kind of reimagine the structure within a different uh, or different format <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a great idea. I, like I said, I would rather, like if it was offered to me, um, <laughs> I would typically just rather play a board game if I had the option. But like I said, I've played poker. But yeah, that sense of 
playing with the actual game structure of the game versus the other side of it, the betting and the, the money side of it is really exciting. So I, I'm super excited to try it out. Yeah, it's the culture piece that, that I think Kaz doesn't yeah, yeah, doesn't love. Know. It's the, the head-to-head, like... Um, almost to take that sort of it it's, can be with the bluffing and the money and uh that kind of stuff it can be very um bullying sometimes and i i think that that kind it also of takes culture. a long time i think that's my big my biggest complaint with poker is like i will just after a while I'll just get really bored it's just because it feels like oh, i just i don't really care and i'm bad at this Cass has very very <laughs> so, little uh patience for anything but <laughs> <laughs> sure we could play poker guys but <laughs> sure Yeah. Well, and I mean, just able to use um, that standard layout of, de- and there's a reason a deck of cards and that standard deck is, has had such longevity. It's a fun, the odds and luck and um, uh, within a deck of cards are really fun to play with. And so to have like a new way to, to do that is, is exciting, especially with kind of a, a familiar, you're sort of familiar with the structure, but you're able to take it and uh, sort of re- rejigger it and apply it in a different way. It's uh, really exciting. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, I just want to jump back to real quick uh, your experience with Kickstarter. Um, we're always kind of curious what uh, people think of Kickstarter as a publishing medium, your history, and uh, specifically. And um, I don't know. I, I guess let's start off with like if you had a if you had a, could tell yourself something when you first attempted to publish on Kickstarter. Any lessons learned that stand out over the course of your uh, campaigns? Yeah. 
Okay. Oh man, yeah. Sure. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's a good point. We talked to uh, another designer, and uh, she had um, inexplicably, uh, not just trying to fulfill orders, but shipping out um, copies for testing, and uh, inexplicably she had two that disappeared within the mail. So I think keeping an eye or an ear on what your uh, items are doing or potentials for pitfalls there is a really good idea, a really good tip. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one of the most common things I hear from uh, other designers who decide to go the Kickstarter route is um, there's a huge difference between designing games and actually creating a publishing company, which is kind of what you have to do when you kickstart is you are you have made the decision to move from I'm designing a game to I am now publishing a game and this is a company this is a business I am now a business owner by doing this and that's that's kind of a always that seems to come across as a big surprise to to a lot of people so Yeah, no, it, it's an exciting outlet too. I feel for it's it's a nice time to be alive <laughs> as a creator. <laughs> There's a lot of ways to reach an audience, and it doesn't feel like you have to you know reach everybody. You can find uh, people who are interested and then build off of that. So.
yeah, it's becoming a common complaint. We've actually talked about this um, <laughs> ourselves or are dealing with this ourselves as we're getting ready to launch something next year, how to stand out in a, in a bigger and bigger crowd. Um, well, with that in mind, actually, uh, and it's probably you've, you've had a lot on your mind just getting Western Tropic through its campaign, but um, do you have any thoughts about uh, designs you'd like to t- tackle or subject matter in, within theme or other game types that you'd like to approach after this project? Or is it... <laughs> it's hard to imagine right now, I'm sure. It's a... <laughs> Sure, yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. I really, I, I, like you said, there's a timelessness about that style of play, that deck of cards. And even if people don't really play card games, they're familiar with it at least a base level. So you have an entry point for potential new customers who might not be gamers. That might be the what brings them in. It's just that familiarity. well i think it's a good it's definitely a good um niche to be in i guess if you want to call it a niche but i think it's a good spot to be in and like i said it brought me it made me much more intrigued about the game or um or just piqued my interest just the fact that taking poker which is a game i enjoy but i'm not in love with and saying like oh maybe i wonder if this will uh you know double that interest of mine so i'm really excited to play um Western Tropic. So, Len, thank you so much for joining us today and coming on so early uh, as we're all waking up and heading off to our days. Um, Is there anything we forgot to add about Western Tropic? Uh, Well, we can go down in just a second about how to get a hold of you and, of course, find that on the Kickstarter. But anything you wanted to mention as we head out here? <laughs> all right we'll definitely go check out western tropic and uh, oh i just knocked out my ear, uh, headphones one second <laughs> suddenly couldn't hear myself and i can't go on with not doing that um <clears throat> so yeah definitely go check out western tropic and uh, reach out to len uh, it's uh, been a really interesting conversation i really uh happy that you came on um yeah, definitely we uh, appreciate your time and everybody go check out the game
Thanks, Lynn. And we're back, and that was our interview with Len Kendall. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, you definitely go check out his uh, game. Like we said, the Kickstarter is has ended, but he's going to be doing late pledges. And you know, if if poker is a game like we like, I. <laughs> feel about poker where it's like a great game i'm just not interested in playing it that much but i'm very intrigued on how this this take is uh check it out the art is fantastic and amazing and uh if nothing else even if you don't uh pick up the game i think it's worth just seeing what len did with it because he took a really intriguing take on the game agreed so with that being said we will now jump into our October themed recommendations for spooky games to spooky play. Games. <laughs> In, insert uh, some sort of <laughs> campy music <laughs> behind this and echo probably. Spooky games. So we're just going to run through some recommendations of uh, games that are appropriate for the month. Uh, Halloween and October and spookiness in general. We're going to do a couple uh, recommendations that we are great games, and then one that we highly recommend of those three, and then we'll come back next week with some uh, with even more recommendations of spooky games. All right. Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll jump right in, I guess. Okay. I've got uh, one I'm going to start with is an abstract game that um, I enjoy. I enjoy playing it around this time of year, and I don't play it at any other time of year. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and it's mainly because it's it's pretty abstract. But if you are if you're kind of in the mood for a spooky game, I think that lends itself to this game and uh, can take it more of a, a, a living experience. And that's Escape the Aliens in Outer Space. Mm. <clears throat> so Escape the Aliens in Outer Space is a very abstract game. You each get a uh, player board that is a dry erase board, which has a grid system um, or some sort of layout. Um, Usually it's hexagonal of some kind. And You're not selling this. <laughs> I'm not selling it at all. Yeah, it sounds very fantastical. There's virtually no art in this. But um, what you what the premise is is that you are all on a spaceship and uh, someone. There's two teams: humans and aliens. The aliens have invaded the spaceship and they are uh, shapeshifters or uh, whatever you would call that when they turn into the humans or take over the humans, and um, they are trying to appear like humans and then also hunt down the humans. And consume them or whatever they do with them. But whatever it is, the humans don't want to have it happen to them. And so the humans are trying to start from the center of the ship and then get to the escape pods. There's um, there's several escape pods available. And um, the aliens are trying to hunt the humans down. So you kind of know where each other start. And then throughout the game, there's hidden movement. And what makes it fun and tense is that it's a card drawing system where you are um, making your way through the ship. And you're kind of hearing noises through the cards and trying to figure out, is that a human over there? Is that my cohort? Or is that an alien over there who's slowly inching up behind me is going to eat me? Um, <clears throat> I really like this game if you have a group of people who can get sort of silly and uh, have a good amount of table talk and um, back and forth and guessing who is where. And um, some people, some humans can turn into aliens and so they can play it really well where they're like, no, I'm in your buddy, man. I'll, I'll help you get, I'll help you get that over that. Humans uh... can turn into aliens. <laughs> or they could be consumed <laughs> to become aliens. Oh. Um, uh, they can switch sides basically. And so you can have uh, someone be like, hey, buddy, no, don't worry. I'm still, still on your side here. I'm just going to. Gonna get you over there, and uh, and then they eat you, and um, so it's just a it's a fun silly game, but it is very abstract, and so you do have to kind of use your imagination for this one, but I think it does 
lend itself. You will have moments in this, or at least I have, where you really do get into the theme for a second, and there is a tension where you you're you're you know where you are, and you heard a noise, and you know something is around you within a couple spaces that can get to you, and so you have to decide: Do I go this way? Do I go that way? And hope that it is uh, uh, a uh, human and not an alien. So that, that's my recommendation. Okay, first one. My um, all of mine are literally anti-abstract like whatever the opposite <laughs> of abstract are these all just over the top artwork like and exude theme like I, they're they're barely any game uh well to one of these there's <laughs> barely a game but uh it's it's tons and tons of atmosphere um so i'm gonna start out with uh, a great game to play not a great game well it's a good game but it's a great game to play in the month of October, and that is Betrayal at House on the Hill. Ah. We've talked about this one plenty of times, uh, but it is a sp- especially good uh, during the spooky month because it literally takes every trope you can think of from every scary movie, every scary book, every scary anything that you've ever you know campfire stories whatever (laughs) if it's an urban legend or uh, a scary movie the tropes in here and you are basically uh you and your friends are exploring this house laying down tiles as you explore and you're picking up omens and things are, are happening in the rooms that you go into like bleeding walls or you know uh like ghost children and you know moaning couches i mean like literally everything you can possibly (laughs) think of uh that's just part of the whole spooky experience um and if you can extend this out a bit uh then it's you're gonna have a great time with this the only downside to this and the reason why this isn't like you know my number one recommendation uh as you probably all know from previous shows this uh had the haunt the second part of this once somebody turns traitor um is not uh it's kind of broken some of the haunts work really really well and you know what? It, there's probably a 20% chance that you're going to get a great haunt and have a phenomenal <laughs> 10 out of 10 experience. It's about an 80% chance you're going to get a haunt that either marginally works or doesn't work at all. And you're going to have like more of a 75% great experience. <laughs> Uh, the first half of the game, though, is certainly makes up for it in my mind, and that's why I will still play this, even though it can potentially have the broken ending, and that is Betrayal at House on the Hill. Also, got, yeah, great game. It's worth worth playing, especially for this. Even with the brokenness, definitely worth at least getting a play attempt in <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for the season. The theme alone carries this game. Yeah. I mean, it is so much fun, and it's so spooky, and it's just such a great fun this is a this is kind of an experience game in that it's not long like a traditional experience game but you remember your plays of it because of the stuff that happened especially if you get into the the theme and you know really read out the flavor text and uh you know role play a little bit it's uh it's nothing there's no game that captures a theme to me the way that betrayal does yeah i'd agree um, all right, my next one is uh, one that we've talked about a lot, but I think it's worth re- remember or re-recommending at this point because uh, in as it gets darker and colder and you're sort of huddled up, it's a great experience. And that's just Deception, Murder in Hong Kong. 
So Deception's just a game we've discussed many times. It is a murder mystery game where you are all trying to figure out who the murderer is and uh, who the accomplice is and suss that out in a, together as a group. And it just lends itself once again to this sort of time of year. So I, I love any sort of murder mystery games at this time of year. Con- uh, also with that, I would also as a suggestion to tie, tie into that is uh, Consulting Detective if you're looking for more of an older style mystery. Those are both great murder solving games. They're very different. So depending on the experience you want, then uh, kind of choose between the two. But uh, I just love murder mystery stuff uh, around the fall. Yeah, if you're having a dinner party or a Halloween party and you've got you know, 10, 11, 12 people, uh, does Deception Murder in Hong Kong, there is no better yeah game uh for that many people to me uh that is the game i would play with that player count yeah so for sure all right so my next recommendation uh we actually covered very in-depth in episode 113 which was titled arkham horror you magnificent bastard (laughs) and this is arkham horror (laughs) the board game uh third edition this one, uh, it's very scenario-based. Uh, it's entirely scenario-based. So it really, really delves into theme. It's not the same thing over and over. Every scenario uh, sets up differently, runs through the codex differently, brings new cards out differently. The story will evolve in different ways. So you're always playing a very, very different game, and it's always very, very spooky. Um, so I'd suggest dimming the lights for this one i'd suggest role playing a little i'd suggest reading out the flavor text same with betrayal but this one's probably much more on a a a more serious note there can be some campy stuff in betrayal that's fun there's nothing uh fun in (laughs) a lot of horror and beheadings yes Uh, (laughs) horrifying body horror (laughs) yes so if you're really looking for like a dark (laughs) mood like if you're you're preparing for a seance this might be a good prep to get everybody like you know what i'm feeling like a seance right now um and that's arkham horror third edition uh go listen to that episode 113 if you uh are trying to get more information on exactly how that works because we go way too in depth we do yes but we that, that just shows you how great the third edition is another bonus this game is this is like an evening this the whole thing is like an evening experience it's a long game and you can really just sit and dwell in the world that it creates and it is such a fun experience i am agreed and there's there's longer scenarios that i mean yeah you can play a four-hour game oh yeah easily or more um, all right, great. So I had those are my two um, my recommends, and my highly recommend is a game that I recently picked up and have been playing a bunch this week, and that is called Horrified. Uh, Horrified is a Ravensburger game. It is a Target exclusive, which is nice. That is, it is more broadly available, but you can get it in a lot of places. <coughs> um, I've seen it uh, a lot of places, I should say, and uh, despite it being a Target exclusive, so I'm not exactly sure what that means. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really know either. If that was maybe a at when it came out it was exclusive yeah. to target for a period of time or? it must have been like just yeah. they had first dibs or something like that yeah. but um but anyway i'm glad you can get it in a lot of places because it is a really great game uh so the premise of the game is using the is a once again uh, like a lot of these horror, horror scenarios it is a town that has been infested with monsters but the monsters are the universal studios monsters so dracula frankenstein's monster bride of frankenstein the creature from black, black lagoon wolf, wolf man, man yeah. visible man 
Man, all these really classic monsters. Um, so it is a great game that you can play with kids if they're sensitive to maybe more graphic scenarios. I wouldn't necessarily play Arkham Horror with my five-year-old. A, it's too intense, but also it's pretty graphic in the violence and uh, horror of the game. But Indeed, this... a lot of dismembering in Arkham Horror. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of dismembering. Uh, but this game, I have actually been playing with my five-year-old. It's This game's rated at... Um, 10 and up the community says eight and up i would agree with that um but i also push games on my son a lot because i really <laughs> like to play games and a lot of times my wife's out of town and i've got no one else to play with so uh <laughs> he was able to pick up the strategy here pretty well surprisingly well i was really happy with it and it kept him engaged for the whole game we ended up playing a two-hour version of this which is how long it takes to play with a five-year-old it's actually only about an hour probably with anyone else but uh i had so much fun and it was a really really great experience uh, so each monster uh, plays completely differently there's totally drastically different ways on how you defeat them which is so awesome that it's not just the same thing again and again you increase complexity in the game by adding more monsters the base game says start with two on your first play i think that's perfect uh i think adults would probably be more intrigued with three which creates quite a jump in difficulty but more dynamic play because you've got to be running around and there's more happening on the board um but it's a good intro game because you can slim it down to the two and still have a challenging game where you're engaged while you're teaching someone but it's probably not going to uh to destroy or you're not going to lose (laughs) um but the gameplay itself is really fun you're running around town collecting items the items are appropriate to those old horror movies uh, there's like stakes you pick up for Dracula, of course. Then there's like uh, re- uh, sonic resonant, uh, sonic sonic dissonance resonator or something like that for like these old science. The institute you could pick up the old, these old science kits and weird things that Dr. Frankenstein might have. And so you're running around, taking, picking up these items, doing different things with them depending on what monster you're fighting, and um, slowly trying to pick off these monsters. And one of the other cool things I like about it is you're just you're not only just trying to kill them. Like Dracula is straight up trying to kill. <laughs> Um, the creature from the Black Lagoon, you're trying to uh, defeat him and send him back into his lagoon. But like Wolfman, you're just trying to cure that guy. You're just trying to help him out, <laughs> which I, I really trying like. To shoot him with a silver yeah, bullet. You're not just trying to kill him. You're like you have a heart, so you're like you have some sympathy for this dude. So I I, I actually like that that it wasn't just um, I don't know that sort of brought them to life in a, in a different way when they approach it that way. Uh, so anyway, I just found this game extremely dynamic. The art is very colorful and vibrant. The monsters are displayed as exactly as you would hope they would be. They're, they actually are, have some great like horror artwork that kind of gives you a sense of when they came out, how powerful and they, they were. You know, Dracula and Wolfman were pretty intense creatures when they came out originally. They were the peak of uh, horror. <laughs> so right. it kind of gives you a sense of that. So I really, really enjoyed this game. I would highly recommend it. It plays one to five. So any solo gamers like myself also could jump in and just take a crack at it as well. And uh, I think it would lend itself very well to a group that wants a, um, a quicker, lighter play that still is challenging, but has more of a campy feel than a serious horror feel. All right. Yeah, I'm excited to try it out. Uh, Aaron really loves it, too. Uh, everything I've heard online, from anybody who's played it, I haven't heard anything bad about it. So yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued. Um, so my highly recommend, I was kind of torn between two that, had the word dead in them um you'll find out what the next one is on the next episode but i chose for this one uh, dead of winter nice i love dead of winter if everybody remembers back to my list of uh favorite co-op games dead of winter was number one um it is 
super duper spooky. It everything about it is centered around theme. Um, you're paranoid the whole time. You really feel like, you know, it's it's a dark, desolate. Like you feel colder when you're playing this game because you're like trudging through snow, and you know everything's bleak and dark, and it's just uh, there's zombies around every corner, and they can overrun you really easily, and you don't even know if you can trust your fellow humans. Um, it's just it it's if you ever want to just enter into Halloween and be like, I want to be as miserable as possible <laughs> with a bunch of other miserable people. This is your game, Dead of Winter, uh, by Plaid Hat Games. And it is fantastic. It's very easy to get into. Um, you can flesh out your characters. They all kind of have little s- tiny backstories, like, you know, such and such, like the the mall Santa. <laughs> Right. Or, um, you know, there was a waitress and a pilot and, you know, the mayor. And you can kind of go through before you start the game. I think it's fun to go through and sort of make up backstories for each of them and how they got there and, you know, what's going on and why they have the talent they have. And it really helps you kind of bond with these characters and you play with more than one character. So you can, by the end of it, if you explore enough and what have you, I mean, you can have three, four, five different characters that you're playing. So there's always a ton of people in your your camp, and it keeps growing. Um, and you would think it's great to play characters because then you got more people and more action dice, but then you have to feed more people. And so there's like this whole kind of every time you find somebody instead of feeling happy like you should uh, (laughs) you you like realize in real life you do (laughs) yeah you realize in real life that you know your your ability better be you know worth more than the food i have to expend on you every turn (laughs) so uh yeah it's really neat it's really themey and uh, i highly recommend dead of winter yeah i'd second that as well that's a great one all right you guys well i think that gets you ready for your October gaming experience. We know we're coming out a little late with this, but mid-October, we're getting close. Uh, so yeah. so take these to heart. I'd definitely jump in on some of these at least, or all of them, because it's such a fun time to and play we'll these games. S- we'll still have another episode before oh, yeah. uh, Halloween where we'll bust out our final picks. Yeah, we'll have some good ones there. So uh, we look forward to talking to you guys about that. And if you want to get hold of us and give us some recommendations for that episode or any other episode, you can, of course, get hold of us on Instagram and Twitter, Roasted Games one uh, you can also reach out to us on our podcast hosting page at eavesdrop.com on the Roasted Games page and fill out the comment form. And you can go to our website, roastedgames.com. Nope. Roasted.games. 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 And you can uh, search us on Facebook, too. Yeah. Facebook, email, Roasted Games at roastedgamesco at Gmail. All sorts of ways to get a hold of us. So please do that. And uh, we will read your your letters. And, your letters. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave, we will we'll read, read your, your letters inscribed letters and your calligraphy. We'll determine what your calligraphy is trying to say. And we will happily respond and get back to you guys. So thank you again. And we will catch you guys on the next episode. Bye.